0: Hey guys, and welcome to the latest in the Sleepy Talk podcast. Uh got a really, really special guest today, and it's it's that guy. He's back. I don't know that Ryan. special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we... Faint Ryan in the background. I love it. <laughs> no, uh fantastic uh, episode coming up today because we have the one and the only Mr. Stitch films. So anyway, uh, the, the way this came about was really weird and random, and um, so Ryan sort of hit me up and said, oh, my, my mate who I used to work with uh, is this guy, and I was like, I used to watch him back in the day, I used to watch his stuff, and uh, I thought there's no chance he's coming on this podcast, and well, uh, here he is. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> so the first question I've got is, who are you? Who is Mr. Stitch Films?
1: Who is Mr. Stitch Films? Mr. Stitch Films, so my name is Anthony uh, Michael Winson and I am um, been making films now for 15 years. It's a long time. God, that is a long time. <laughs> uh, but it's only sort of uh, in the last, I'd say, seven, eight years. I think things have actually uh, become a bit neater. Is that the right word to use? Neater? Uh, just sort of a like bit bit more polished and professional. Been putting that
2: graft in, mate. And it's paid yeah, off. Yeah, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, links will be in the description, but there's some fantastic, some fantastic thrillers and horrors over on that uh, channel. Um, back you. in the day, they were they were incredible. And like I said, I, I've watched your 1970s recent one, and... Um, and M Night Shyamalan needs to sort of uh, <laughs> bow down to those twists, <laughs> cry for <after> the magpie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just no, no, really good. And so, realistically, what what kind of inspired you to to do? Was it influences from childhood? Was it you know? Let let the me filmmaking, know filmmaking or sort of like uh, each film or. So if we do sort of the filmmaking and the genre that you've kind of sort of narrowed in on.
1: Okay, I mean, horror has sort of always been my uh, go-to genre ever since I was a kid. I was was, like this really weird kid that uh, was obsessed with horror films, thanks to like my older brother. Yeah, he was uh, always a big horror fan as well. So I just used to watch horror films with him when, when my mom and dad were like, look after him. Popular Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not the uh, the best film to be watching when you were five years old. But I think uh, it's yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I've always grown up watching it. It's, it's just always been my my go to thing to watch. It's, I don't know. It's just something. I tell you one thing that, that that it's annoying. is because I've been watching horror from such a young age. I am quite desensitized to it, so nothing really scares me anymore. But it hasn't for years, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, really, it's uh, thanks to my uh eldest brother,
0: <laughs> fair enough. So, uh, d- does your older brother do anything similar to what you do, or is it just uh, just run of the mill guy? Uh, well, he's always been he liked a bit of writing, okay. uh,
1: he's never he, he hasn't ever done anything more, really, with it. I mean, I remember when I was really young he used to like writing short horror stories and things like that and i think in the recent in recent years he's uh, been doing a bit of writing but again he's never actually sort of uh, pursued put it, it out me. there for public publication or anything like that and i, I keep trying to get him to write me uh, a script or a story for me to collab with him mm. as of yet no nothing
2: <laughs> it's oh, quite a film it. buff if i remember correctly um he Yeah, pretty much nothing um, that I can recall ever coming up in discussion that he hadn't already seen, um, and was always firing recommendations for movies to watch. So I could imagine with the amount he's consumed, he probably has some good ideas, like sort of influenced by the many he's watched staring around. Jump on it, yeah! I'll start nagging him as well.
1: (laughs) He is a good writer. I've read some of his stuff, and it is good. I think it's just he lacks motivation to actually sometimes put pen to paper. And uh, I don't know. He's, I've, I've asked him for years to write me something. So just, I thought it'd be a really cool sort of like brother duo team,
0: mm-hmm. but mm. you know, no, just like a, yeah, an indie Russo brothers.
2: Yeah. 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 there's still time. <laughs> like, yeah. There's still time. time. <laughs>
0: so, um, so yeah. So you've done quite a few films, quite a few, uh, quite a lot. Um, but have you done anything else in film other than sort of directing and and creating these things? Uh, I was moving on to sort of like a, a next one, uh, I've seen on the IMDb interwebs that you actually acted at some point.
1: No, nah, well, um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, I've never officially done any acting. Uh, I think I've, I've been an extra. Yeah, I think, in, in in someone's film, but. Acting is—it's not really my forte. <laughs> I get very self-conscious in front of the camera. He <laughs> likes to give the orders. So, yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a bit disappointing that though because I—I I noticed your character was called Terrorist Five.
1: Yes, yes, uh, that was a, that was an experience and a half. That yeah. was it was a, a, uh, an actor I know. He's been—he would he, at the time he had been for a few years putting in the graph to make this, um, action film. Cause he was by nature, like a stunt double, uh, a stunt guy and an, and an actor. And so he just sort of like wanted to make this big elaborate action film. And he asked me if I wanted to go on and be this, uh, terrorist guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it was the most, cause it's like all these like really buff guys all from like, uh, the Navy sort of background, you know, they're all stunt guys as well. And I was like, I, you know, they, they lent me some kit to wear. And I just remember walking around all day unable to button up my trousers because I just, I was a, a little heavier than uh, what these guys were.
2: <laughs> Didn't have I that had to body die body with,
1: with uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, I remember being so nervous about this blinking and you'll miss it moment of literally coming out with a gun firing off a couple of rounds and then they shoot me and I die. My, you can't even see my face. I just remember absolutely cracking myself. Like, am I going to mess this up? Am I going to like step on the wrong mark? Am I going to fall at the wrong time? You know, it
2: was, so yeah, acting's not for me. <laughs> would you consider, well, like, have you done any like theatre type writing? Um, uh, not theatre, no. Would, you, would it be something you consider? Is it not really for you? Um, I wouldn't
1: say that I would probably not really for me i mean i know a few theater actors uh, but yeah it's uh i think it's quite difficult because you have to write um for a stage mm. and you've got to know the technicality of stage work and stuff like that which i know nothing about
2: ah, right, okay so it's just another learning curve really. yeah yeah you don't need to spread yourself so thin yeah what inspired you to like more so that is it just just um sitting around with your brother um that inspired you into doing this uh, make the kind of films that you do in the genre that you do or do you have any uh, i'm just trying to find out if it's a reflection of of your beliefs on the supernatural or the spiritual at all
1: all uh, right yeah so basically i mean my go-to sort of sub-genre for horror is um uh, ghosts and haunted houses and things like that. And mm. that is sort of like my go-to, if I can get, if I can, I like to try and make those types of films because I'm a big believer in supernatural, like ghosts and things like that. And I just find it to be a much creepier style of film to make. And it also, I, I I always say that when it comes to like ghost films and things like that, a lot of the scares and stuff come in, in the editing. Mm. yeah so you're on set and you do the filming but it's not scary you know it's all technical until you sit down in the editing studio and you start adding in the sound effects and the music and then you just that's when you start getting excited like oh this is coming together this is starting to feel creepy this is this is exciting
2: Uh, it must be quite hard to create i mean i've recently been doing some basic editing and i've found how a simple cut and zoom in on an object can create like humor, but I can't yeah. fathom how you would like with the level of knowledge I've got. Like I couldn't even comprehend how you would in your face is that that tension, that sort suspense. of suspense. Yeah, um, but with that edge of fear. I don't know if fear is the quite right word to use, um, but it's something uh, uh, more of a creepier sensation I feel when when watching your stuff. Um, I just wouldn't know how to even go about creating that as you do with yours
1: I think a lot of the time it is, it's down to the music um, I think if you added like comical music to a lot of my films you'd be like oh shit this probably works better as a comedy that does a horror I, I, uh, I, well, I <laughs> give that a go now you suggested it sounds like it could be fun
2: <laughs> Yeah,
1: you know, get some Laurel and Hardy soundtrack on some of my horrors you'd be like ah oh, so this yeah. is the true this is what this film is meant to be, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it, honestly, when it, it a lot of the stuff, it comes down to editing, and I mean, there is sort of the technicality of uh, when you are actually filming it that it does help, like knowing half uh, how, how long to linger with the camera before cutting away or following mm. actors, you know, to try and create that tension, drawing scenes out for for the suspense for the audience, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is also down to the actual editing of music, sound effects, and things like that.
2: Yeah. Okay, I've got a lot of respect for your work now that I am... Um, I always did. I was always amazed that, like, I know this guy and he can make these these films and stuff, like, that it was something so alien to me uh, in terms of uh, how it got to that the, the uh, end result. Now I know a little bit about messing around with videos and it is, it just blows my mind that it, it has that, that sort of professional polish to it. Um, that is obviously, I understand how roughly how you might get to that, but it, in my head, it seems like such painstaking work um, to get to something of, of your quality. Um, and it's just mad to think that, like, I just know the dude that does it. You know what I mean? I'm watching guys that probably have your <laughs> level of skill do tutorials on, on, on YouTube, teaching me how to do basic, basic stuff so um, and with the horror genre I feel it's probably one of the hardest things particularly for me because I'm not a massive fan of horrors of any sort of kind Um, so to keep me sort of wanting to know exactly how things play out in that type of film and to have me questioning, so, like the ending of, um, I'm not going to spoil anything. I know I'm a sucker for, for spoiling people. I'm not going to spoil it, but the Especially ending. Especially recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not getting into it. Um, but yeah, like the ending of um, uh, The Magpie, Cry the Magpie. Oh, yeah. Um, just had me think. I even discussed it with you and you was like, ah, you almost got there, man. You almost got there. I, I like how it sort of just, just left me open rather than it's left me closed in a box at an ending. Like, this is what it is, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. The
1: awesome thing about Magpie was that uh, I was I was lying in bed one night and I, and I, I, I said to Lewis, uh, I was like, I need a new plot. Oh, I need a new idea. I want to write something that's a bit different to what I usually do. And he kind of came up with this whole idea of Magpie, basically, like uh, uh, the, the, the basic skeleton, skeletons of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I quite like that idea. And then the next day I started writing and it was – the quickest script uh, script I've written ever. Uh, it was just literally like ideas just flowing. I was like, "Oh, that's a great idea." Continue writing. Oh, that's a good idea. That's another great idea. Uh, I think I wrote it in three days. Jeez,
0: mm. yeah. So that it, it is incredibly good. Um, Thank you. There's, there's just again the, the the twists are perfect as well without blowing too much smoke. Um, that just the way. That it's done and as, as Ryan was saying earlier about getting that level of suspense and that level of and and as you were saying how to know when to pan the camera at a certain time and to you know um, just the way that it's done and how, the way that it's thought out it kind of like you're like oh yeah I get this oh no okay it might be this and then it's like oh no as soon as you get to that point where you know the ending it changes um, yeah. <laughs> and then it's you know it's that's what I like But I think um, I'm the same as Ryan in the fact that horrors don't really interest me except for sort of like the indie style ones. Yeah. Uh, That's mainly because of how saturated. Yeah, it's horror, Hollywood horror, we'll say. uh, Yeah. Is so saturated and so predictable, and everything is a copy and paste formula. It just has different actors and a different monster or a different you know, um, there's only a few sort of horrors that have really, like, gotten under my skin. Um, and I've spoke about them before. Um The Insidious, number one. Do you know what, funny, you should mention that because I
1: remember when Insidious first came out, I went to the cinema to see that. And mm. I'm not ashamed to say, I was sat in the cinema and after the first big scare of that film, I remember sitting there going, Oh god, that actually got me really bad. That mm. did, and like my heart was pounding. And as the film went on, I was like, I don't know if I can actually sit here for the rest of this film. I am actually shitting myself. I'm yeah, <laughs> and obviously, that one. like at the end of it, by the end of it, I was like, that was the most refreshing installment in horror in like right, recent history. Like memory when that first came out, it was brilliant.
0: Yeah, and they've now copied and pasted that formula. And yeah, 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 which. I I was the same. So as soon as I saw the trailer for it, I thought, oh, it's Darth Maul. (laughs) 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 And then I watched it and, and yeah, it it did take me back a little bit. Um, So, but this is the, the great thing about sort of indie directors like yourself is, is there's always something new and it's always fresh. So you, you got inspired by an idea and wrote something out in three days and, like obviously i'm no one important but i was impressed with it um Thank so you.
1: i think the, the the good thing about a lot of indie directors is that you haven't got a big name studio uh behind you telling you what you can and cannot put in your film mm-hmm. uh because obviously the big studios all they're interested in is how much money they can make back So the con- so they want that tried and tested formula to a hot to any film really Uh, so they're like we need like this amount of scares we need this many jump scares because jump scares sell and you know especially with the teenage audience the teenagers want jump scares and things like that so when it comes to like the more independent people making films you make a film for how you want to make a film for and a lot of the times these independent filmmakers make it for the love of that they know how that genre sort of works Hmm. Uh, I think that's, uh, like, the most recent things. Like, I don't know if you've seen, like, Hereditary or Midsummer. Uh,
2: I, I mean, no, I wasn't... Not myself, no.
1: I wasn't the biggest fan of Midsummer, but Hereditary was... I remember watching it and thinking to myself, this film just doesn't really have a lot going for it. And by then, it, I was like, yeah, it was all right. But then I couldn't stop thinking about it, and it was, like, in a really creepy way. Like, it just... I didn't realise how much it actually gets under your skin... And I think that is a big uh, credit to the filmmakers. It was really, really
2: creepy. That's probably a very good way to sort of describe what takes me with your films. To be fair, is I think would you? How do you feel about jump scares uh, in your (laughs) movies? Do you put a lot of effort into those sort of like shocking, scary moments, or or not? I try and steer. Uh, away from jump scares I'm glad you said that I mean, because I was about to say that I don't feel like the, the the big spike scary movies like you know that spike of fear doesn't hit as hard as the the actual tense moments when I'm watching yeah. your films um, mm. and obviously that's what uh, Luke was just, just saying you know, it makes indie films films different but I just wanted to know if that was by design or just a natural thing
1: i think because i am probably at the moment i am more a film fan than i am a filmmaker like my my, where i'm at in like being a director and things like so i know from personal experiences from uh, reading people's comments uh, that are true horror fans is that they don't like jump scares because Mm. it it, you can't base how good a horror film is on how loud your sound system is (laughs) that's yeah, that's not a good horror film. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've in, I do include a couple of jump scares, but they're not in any way to the to the scale of what they are in modern horror.
2: Like oh, the moments of the film, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're not the moments of the film you're going to talk to other people about when discussing your films. Whereas with a lot of Hollywood horror, as it's now been dubbed, um, is I find. It's always the bits that oh, when when you came out of the room and, and looked like that and stuff, rather than sort of defining moments of a film. For all I know, because I don't watch a lot of horror movies, those Hollywood horror films do have some something else other than the jump scares to them. But unless you watch the film yourself looking for it, you're not you're never going to hear about it when this when you're hearing it discussed. No, no, absolutely.
1: Like, uh, with myself, I, I usually find that. When I'm making a jump scare, if I want to put a jump scare in, what I'll try and do is mislead the audience into a fake jump scare. So, yeah. like yeah. with my film that uh, I've got coming up, um, there'll be a, a character will go and like investigate a noise. They don't, but this is just you know, it's,
2: no. Um, no spoilers. Don't worry. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. So th- they'll. Going in and say investigate a noise and they'll find something or something will happen, which will, it might be a little bit of a jolt, but nothing to make you really jump. So people will be like, Oh, okay. That was the scare, but the scare is actually still coming. Mm-hmm. So when it actually does pay off, it is actually a genuine scare as well. So it's not like a, you've opened the door and a friend's, or someone's friend stood there and they've gone, Oh, you've made me jump and you know, loud music. It is, if I'm gonna put a scare in, it's going to be something scary. Hmm. I'm not gonna fake the audience.
0: It's like a false sense of security, and then bam.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, just in the um, the, I, I get covered. it's The one on Blu-ray is not the haunting of the Baylock residence, is it? It's no, just that's out of that's just, just the, the Baylock residence. Yeah, that one. The um, I'm terrible with the names of the characters, but the uh, the the, the Cara. Oh that, yeah, Annabelle. Who, which, yeah, Annabelle. When um, she's um, going up the stairs, the leader's going up the stairs, and she's there, and it's like a a little bit of a jump scare because it's dark. Oh yeah, uh, the power's gone out, um, and you've got the lighting on her face, so it is proper spooky. But that 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 bit there stands out to me, but not because of the scare. It's just the way that she says, like, "Okay, then," and dismisses her as she goes upstairs. Yeah, it's something just in that moment. Where, even though it's just after the jump scare, what I feel would have been a jump scare, and anyway, I might be wrong. It might not be. Um, it's it's the interaction between the two characters that yeah. stood out to me um as more shocking um yeah. sort of supporting that that you don't really need you know if 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 you can direct things well enough you don't need for those up moments to be so shocking and turn the volume up to 11 instantly
1: yeah no i mean like you say with that with that moment it was it was just meant to sort of be a bit of a oh, oh, that was a bit of a, a startle, but it wasn't going to be like, oh, that's so terrifying. It was just, you know. Yeah. But
2: uh, when, I know uh, that she... The, sort of dismissed her to go back upstairs. It's the way she said it and looked after her uh, and watched her as she went upstairs. Got me got me second guessing her role in, in the plot. I was like, now nah, she's in on whatever's gone off. Definitely. I <laughs> of that yeah. alone. But um turns out it was just, obviously, me overthinking probably the horror film or influenced too much by ho- Hollywood horror, because it's kind of predictable that to be the case, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean I'm pretty sure if you, Brian, um, you've seen my original Haunting a bit haven't you, Residents?
2: A long time ago. Yeah. The black and white one.
0: Yeah. I've watched it yeah. the other night as well.
1: Oh, okay. That's so. Um, yeah. <laughs> carry on. Sorry. So this is sort of like a bit of a spoiler, but it was just, there's no way of explaining this without spoiling it. Um, It just, because in the original The Haunting of Baylor Residence, Annabelle obviously turns out to be dead. She's a ghost and, you know, she's living in the house. She can't leave. And um, then there's a lot of smart people online that are like, oh, I knew she was dead. I knew she was dead. You know, put it in the comments to ruin it for everyone else, which is really annoying. But then, Mm. so I thought... When I came to remake it, I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to make people believe that she's dead, but then completely flip it like, haha, you're not so smart, are you? <laughs> you yeah,
2: I, I did have something like, I was like, there's something up with this. I, I'll be honest with you, I can't recall um, The Haunting. I must have seen it. I've watched a lot of your stuff um, over the years, but I can't recall it to mind. But in in the newer one, definitely had me... Just looking for some sort of indication of what is up with this character because she's not just like what she appears to be done very well. Normally, I like to think I'm good at picking up on
0: on these <laughs> things, but
2: again, that's that Hollywood movie thing, isn't it? You watch enough of the films, you've seen them all, you've seen the same same tropes. Yeah. So she, she, she was, she just ended up being
1: a really stuffy character. That she, yeah. she, you know, <laughs> but the time she's just set in her own
0: ways. Yeah, but it's quite interesting that we've sort of. Moved on to the haunting of Bailock anyway because that was one that I had in my notes. It's just okay. that that one actually like 1.3 million views. 1.3 uh,
1: million, yeah, that, is crazy. that it's crazy. It's mad. Uh, well, it's it uh, all came about a few years ago because it got towards Halloween and the views were just rolling in. Mm. Uh, I couldn't believe it. it was like thousands a day, yeah, thousands. And then it hit the million
0: mark, and it just seemed to have slowed down. And but I mean, a million still, wow! Oh yeah, like c- congratulations yeah. on hitting a million views on one <laughs> video. Bro, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, thoroughly deserved. But it just Thank just you. amazing to see, um, you know, uh, just one point three million people have watched something that that you've you've done, and what it's what inspired the trailer, you to do it?
2: Isn't it? Is yeah, it that... sorry?
0: Is it the, the trailer? What one point three For... million? yeah no it's the no, hour in 10 minutes it's,
2: it's the full it's the actual theme ah oh, the full film No, i was just yeah. gonna say there was something uh I, I'll, I'll mention it afterwards continue sorry <laughs> but what, what, what sort
0: of inspired you on that that film and the way that you've done it because obviously there's a there's a formula in there that we need to copy and paste <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: i think the thing that did so was i think that because I wasn't targeting teenagers and Hmm. it's funny because when you read the comments from people on that film a lot of the ones that hate it are the younger audience and the target audience that I was aiming for was the old old generation because I wanted to make a film that was pretty much um a throwback to old 60s and 70s horror films which is why it's in black and white Hmm. uh like the haunting of hill house or the haunting um that was kind of like what i wanted to achieve with that with the original version of that film um a, a lot of the characters names are also names of other horror characters from other horror films of that generation yeah um so it's like uh, the, the main character her name is patricia woodhouse and woodhouse was the uh, nanny from the omen and then you've got annabelle blair and her surname blair was linda blair from the exorcist mm-hmm. um
0: uh, it, okay. uh, oh, sorry.
1: Okay, no, nice, I, forgot I said that. Com- I said that wrong. The uh, Woodhouse is Rosemary's baby, and baylock is the nanny from the Omen.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's it's more of you hitting nostalgia at the same time yes. as yeah. So uh, I mean, it's 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 very smart. It's very it's a very nice way to sort of tie it in. But I did enjoy it myself. I know I'm not the target okay. audience, but again. Um it's just for me when I'm looking at horrors like Hollywood horror and things like that I'm always expecting the jump scares what we were talking about that's what I'm expecting yeah. and obviously Insidious mm. did have jump scares like that but I enjoyed the lore behind the story as well and that's
1: and it, I think with the, the difference with Insidious was that the jump scares weren't fake jump scares they were genuinely yeah. scary jump scares yeah
0: definitely and, and the background behind it. But there's the, again, with, with a lot of your sort of longer films as well, there's a lot of background sort of things that tie everything in, which is what I like about it. It's not just to throw that on there and see what happens. Um, it it's is a,
1: something that I enjoy to do is when I'm doing my bigger project is I like to try and create a world in which that is taking place.
2: Yeah. I'd, it's I'd, just to sort out of the finer details then, if you've got like a, just a world to mind. Um, any sort of nuances and such, I would find flow easier. I like to think I don't make movies, so I can't say that is the case, but um, I, I can definitely agree that it is. It doesn't feel like there's a start, like with the Bailout Resonance. It's fresh to mind. Um, it's not until later in the film it's explained. Like she mentions it in the film, there was a, a bombing. Uh, she, had, she had a concussion. Sorry, but you don't really go into too much about it and then later on in the film it's like oh yeah I place um the bombing and whatnot at the time due to the war um I'm like okay cool I like I like that like you, you brought me forward you posed the question you didn't clear it up right there and then which is you know what I was expecting what normally does and it's just later on you just slip it back in um rather than just pointing out oh by the way yeah it's not a flashback or anything like that it was just brought up in conversation which is good mm. a nice little a nice little finesse I liked
0: so would you say that when it comes to writing, do you design sort of like the the world itself first or the sort of dimension what you're writing it in and then look at the characters and then what's going to happen? Or out. or uh, what's your process?
1: Uh, I think before I write anything, I like to try and make sure that I've got the ending down. Mm-hmm. I find that if I haven't got the ending, I find it much more difficult to write to. And then sort of like, have the ending and then fill in the blanks, um, and then obviously throughout the different drafts, different ideas will develop, and be like, "Oh, that'd be a really good sort of backstory for that character." And then, hmm. um, and I think as well that I, I, as I'm writing, I do sort of have a bit of a backstory for each character. I never actually write it down, uh, but if any of the actors wish to have a backstory, I can reel it off and you know write a, an essay for
2: each character if if needs be any characters anybody you've you've had acting for you required that do you feel so i could, uh, I could a couple about times. Me personally i think i'd love that to just fully immerse myself with a character to to become one so method the actors then, actually, isn't you it? Say, yeah method. um yeah that's probably how how i'd do it if i was acting i like to think and if you can if you're able just to do that real quick that's um well it's not just like you're just throwing uh tried and tested sort of technical skills and, and whatnot um, and effects at something just hoping it comes out right which just tends to be how I create everything I do <laughs> yeah no,
1: I think I have had a, a couple of actors that because uh, it, it's it's a funny thing because actors uh, have their own way of acting uh, so some people prefer to just they, they'll just go off the script and they're fine with that. And it, you know, there's a lot of famous actors that do that and it comes to absolutely be fine. Then there's other actors that prefer to have uh, and know as much information as possible so that when they react to a certain situation, they know why they're uh, reacting to that situation. There might be something in their past that is triggering them to act in that certain way. Um, and
2: it can bring a believable reaction to the screen. How do, you, how do you prefer your actor? medium rare (laughs) on time (laughs) Uh, do you you find that you work better with actors that that prefer to do it a certain way um do you know what i i I like working with actors that with all different that
1: that like to do it their own way like to do it with the backstory uh as, as long as they're not divas i mean i've worked with a few people that have been real divas with the way that they've uh uh, with, when they come to set and things like that and it's just, like, I haven't got the time or the patience. The expectations I mean, are just too much. Yeah, and I'm just like, right, you're acting in my film, okay? You're not in Hollywood. <laughs> them? <laughs> like, you're not in Hollywood. Cut the crap. You are know? not all that because you're still acting in low-budget films, so... Uh, so I've got the dog wanting to, like, Attention. <laughs> Mr. Like tail just keeps coming up. <laughs> um, so have
0: you ever thrown anyone off set then?
1: Uh, I've never thrown anyone off set, but I have basically told them that I wouldn't work with them again and a shoot has been cancelled um, oh. after the first day. Wow. There there was one person that I worked with and uh, me and one of the directors said, I would, I'm would, i not working. Well, actually, one of the actors said to me, I will not work with them again. And I said, no, I don't blame you. I think they've been very unprofessional and the attitude towards everyone was just abysmal. And then I said to them later that uh, evening, I said, I'm cancelling the shoot. It won't go ahead.
2: Oh, wow. Jeez. So just completely. You're usually quite complete. a chill guy as well from what I remember. So it must have been. a. a <laughs> hey, when, uh, I, when, when get to... I get on film mode, I can be quite uh, <laughs> cutthroat. <laughs> so you'd have to be, get it the way you want it to to appear on screen
1: sometimes it takes uh, some wrangling of the actors as well because they're after a long day they become become so sort of complacent and they want to joke about stuff and you're know, like you got a schedule to keep and that's when you have to crack the whip and start shouting
0: so you've you've cancelled some uh, shoots is there is there only been uh, sorry let me get my words out properly has there ever been any uh, shoots or or films that you've actually produced that you've I wouldn't say regretted but kind of wish that things had gone differently or yeah yeah you don't have to name them because i don't want to sort of like (laughs) uh fire dislikes that way but um just want to explain like your process and on what what you didn't like probably pick the the worst one for you um and just see how a director kind of thinks about these things and and what what's the process
1: (laughs) well there was one film that i made and it was like the, it was meant to be the final in this trilogy that I was creating of these short films and it was no fault of the, per, the actor involved it just when it came down to like the editing and things like that it was just I, I put it out there just I didn't even do a big announcement of it on Facebook like I normally do I just put it out there and it's like whoever wants to watch this will find it you know and then after a few months I was like I can't have this on my channel it, it's just not good. So mm-hmm. I ended up taking it down and hiding it, and then the, and then the actor mesh was like, like a few years later, was, and I, I said to me, "What happened to the uh, to the film on YouTube?" And I just had to come clean and say, "I'm sorry, I took it down. It just wasn't how
0: I was expecting it to go." See, so YouTube put a <laughs> copyright strike on it. That been, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. I just no, said, yeah. you know, we got a copyright strike. To... <laughs> it is no more. Um, no, I, remember the, that, I remember you
2: said that for any any future content we make yeah. together that you, know, <laughs> you might shut down Luke yeah? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, there, there has been other in, uh, times I mean um, there's, there's been films that I've made and then I've, the actors were just not very good hmm. and yeah, I've just sort of cringed after this and gone, "What? Well, I wish I had time to like, I wish I'd taken more time to sort of look at the showreel or just, you know, had a bit more gumption to think, yeah, they weren't right for the role. But I think at the time when I was making these films, I didn't have uh, like a pool of actors to pick from. So was, uh, yeah. whoever was mm-hmm. interested, it was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Come on board. You know, so.
2: um I remember you asking me to be an extra once. <laughs> One of your, your OG zombie type flicks.
1: Oh, I, I, I don't remember.
2: It was a while ago. You said you wanted it because because I just started the the dreads, and you're like, oh, I could. That would look so good if I could just zombify you up with your hair. Is that like? I don't want to put anything in my hair. I don't want to put <laughs> anything in to stick it. I can't do it, mate.
0: <laughs> so do you, you have a, uh, a sort of like an agency of actors now? Then is it sort of like um... you put the feelers out there and somebody does the running for you, or?
1: Uh, so it's still me, myself and I that uh, deals with everything right, um, okay. most of the time. Um, actors are uh, there's a few communities on Facebook uh, for like Midlands um, acting mm. community or filmmaking community. And if I've got a new project coming up, then I'll usually post in in that. Uh, it's getting more difficult as I'm getting older, though, to sort of uh, get these people um to work for free and that's really bad to say but yeah, yeah. unfortunately the stages that, that still that i'm at i don't have an abundance of money to give out uh to mm-hmm. people to be in the films um, i mean they, they get fed on set and expenses are covered if we're going to be sort of like um a lot of traveling is involved but mm-hmm. as i'm getting older and i think and people think you're a 30 year 30 year old guy making films you should have some money surely or they assume I've got money because I've got films distributed which is not the case at all I've had um, some actors talk about me to each other and say that I'm taking advantage of other actors because I have money like a bank load of money because I've got films distributed and unfortunately that's mm-hmm. not the reality of it
2: I could I could see how like people would make that assumption. Um, you have the ability to make a film. Surely you must have money, but they people don't really count passion when they think about these things, do they? They just assume, well, there's gotta be money in it for you. That's why you're doing it, right? Like, yeah. So why would you do it if there's no money? Well, because I'm passionate about it. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and people don't quite pick up on that all the time anyway. I-
1: I think the thing is with reviews as well, uh, especially for films that have been distributed, because people see my film on Amazon Prime and think, "Oh, this film's been distributed. It's on Amazon Prime. This must be a uh, th- like multi-thousand-pound budget, like you know, hundred thousand or whatever." And then they mm-hmm. review it in a way of that and compare it to a Hollywood film of millions, you know. And I'm just like, yeah. "Dude, this was made for a thousand pound, not." Yeah fifty thousand or a hundred thousand you know it was a one thousand pound it's like unholy was made i think uh, between eight hundred and a thousand pound unholy was made on and some of the people that have left reviews on it on amazon are just like think it's it, it was made for an astronomical amount of money and the, so they call it out for that and it's like no it wasn't
2: yeah I, I, it's um with music especially um I see it. There are people at different levels, but before I got into music as much as I am now, I just assumed that like if I am able to hear your music anywhere, if your music's out there for me to listen to, then you must have money. You yeah, must have made yeah. money from it. Otherwise, it's not getting to my ears. But uh, I, I, obviously, I don't know how deep it is and what it's like that with with movies. But I can imagine it's the same thing. Um, people, I'd assume... probably
1: say that people probably think so. Maybe even more. Because people think, and rightly it so, it costs this, more to make a film. Yeah, and there's so many people game. involved in making a film. Mm. And like Unholy, for the first few days, uh, I was the crew. I was the ca- director, I was the cameraman, I was the sound guy. I mean, I wish there was a camera on the first day of filming of me trying to maneuver a camera on a dolly whilst also holding a boom mic.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> That That's the passion, a... mate. That is the passion yeah. right there, isn't it? And it's just incredible when people think that, oh, yeah, well, you've got this, that, and the other, and I'm like, nope, just me. I mean, in but past um, years on other films that I've done, I've had a, f- a bit more help from a, a few people, like my father-in-law, Lee, he often helps along with some expenses and comes along and helps with, like, booming and uh, running actors around and things like that. And I th- sometimes I think like there's no way I get through like a day shoot without that one extra pair of hands to help. Yeah. Because it just honestly, the, because I can, I could set up a mic uh, off screen on like a, um, like hid up somewhere and that would be fine. We could get through the shoot. But each time you cut and you're changing angles, I have to then physically take that mic down. I have to maneuver and it takes, so much time to then reset a shoot. Uh, And if I've got one extra pair of hands just to hold that boom and can freely move around the set with me, it speeds things up like you wouldn't believe.
0: Yeah. No, no, I get that. You you want everything to be as efficient and in place as possible. Um, Mine's really small scale on a podcast, but as you know from uh, like three hours ago, we were prepping everything um, I wish I was disorganized usually, but we got everything where we wanted it. And I've got all of all of this that you can see now is all live. So the, the only thing that goes in after is references. So I can see Ryan, I can see Mr. Stitch and myself, and then the background, which is floating around and things like that. So uh, mine's very, very small scale, but I feel you. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I do feel you. Um, I, I think the thing is as well,
1: is that especially if I'm working with somebody new, that hasn't sort of been with me for, for a few years, that knows the scale of which that I work, if I have someone new come along that I've never worked before, and then I, I'm working solo on that day, they must think like, what kind of like cheap ass shoot is this? Mm. <laughs> I remember what, there was one shoot that I did uh, a couple of years ago, and there was every actor involved, was I'd never worked before. This was the first time I'd ever worked with any of them. Uh, there was three actors, um, and I had somebody supposed to be coming to uh, record audio for me, so to hold the boom mic, etc. They didn't turn up, oh. and I looked like because I was I was like, oh, maybe they'll show up in a set. Maybe we'll just wait, you know. And time was getting on. These actors had things to do, and I must have looked like the most incompetent person. <laughs> and, I, and then, and, and then when I called them out on it, like the person that was supposed to show up, they said to me, Well, I did offer my time for free to you. Um, so you shouldn't really be getting so upset that I didn't turn up. I didn't, we weren't, you weren't going to pay me. I was mm. like, Well, you committed, regardless of being paid, you said you were going to be there. And yeah. I just, I, I remember feeling like the, the worst filmmaker. Like, I looked like, a mickey mouse club sort of filmmaker that day it was awful
2: anybody that gets to any respectable if that's what you want to call it but that recognized level of anything of any kind of creation uh, you speak to any of them or anybody that i've seen interviews by and whatnot spoken to myself that i feel is successful they will say that i started off with like well the stories from nowadays are going to be able to start off with my phone filming mm, yeah. stuff and my friends and then it took off from there and da, da, da. Um, and, and that that's that's real like right, for, for pretty much everybody I, I can't think of I, I'm not a big film buff I'm not a big actor buff or director buff but I don't know like the story of anybody that claims to have just gone straight in at the top nobody's got the big equipment and the fancy software and you know um, even all the knowledge usually when they they get started with this that's the point um, like how much do you, feel like, do you feel like there's still more for you to learn or you know what you need to know to achieve what you want? So you, you visualize a film you want in your head. Do you think you're at the level to actually output that now? Um, or is there still knowledge gaps stopping you from getting there?
1: Uh, I feel like uh, a bit of both really, because my next film that I want to do, that I'm writing at the moment, is set in the 17th century uh, and it's really difficult um, because of the language barrier of Old English and things like that. So there's a lot of um, sort of creative writing that's barriers that I still have to break through and, mm-hmm. and writer's block. Like a lot of people know how to break through writer's block, and it takes me forever to do um, yeah. costume designs and things like that. That's uh, another thing that. I, I enjoy sort of the research, but would prefer so much more if there's someone on set to help uh, yeah.
2: that was dedicated to that so that I don't have to learn another trick. <laughs> yeah, I, I can obviously for different reasons can appreciate you start doing one thing and you're like, oh, if I could do this, I'll make it better. And then you realize once you, you start learning that usually this is a specialized thing yeah. that somebody does, a, like that's all they do. Uh, yeah. But you're here trying to do that as well as the other stuff and everything else. And before you know it, it's like jack of all trades, yeah. master of none. But you yes. have to be a jack yeah. of all trades to to get the final product, um, yeah. unless you're able to pay somebody straight off the bat to to do it.
0: But I suppose it's, you know, some... but... sorry, carry on.
1: No, I was just going to say that. I mean, that's one thing that I feel like I could. I, I've got enough knowledge that to put out a really high quality film if i can get the right people on board that can take over the other duties so that i don't have to so i don't have to learn anything new like uh cinematography and things like that i mean i've got like the basics of cinematography down but i would much prefer if i could actually get somebody uh, on set um that can provide their knowledge and their speciality to make the film that much better without me having to um substandard
2: it yeah i i can i can appreciate what you mean but it just must be madness because there's so much factors i i i like to think now i know a bit about enough about sound engineering to to mix vocals but you'd need to know that anyway and then you've got visual stuff on top of that. And then you've got all the editing stuff on top of that. I mean, I recently come into color grading thinking that I'm a boss out here because, <laughs> you know, I know how to turn, I know how to lift, I know how to use the lift dial and the gain dial. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, color correction's like a boss. And then I'm like, I'm humbled by by stuff uh like yours, where like I can see those techniques and then just stuff that I don't even know is techniques, but is it's doing something. I wouldn't even know how it's. They've gone about to create that that just that image, just to look on the screen as a as a whole, um, keeping it with the same theme. And you don't make it easy for yourself either with with your visuals, do you?
1: you like, no, you, I you mean, do like that's the one old thing, times, don't you? That is one thing that I, I try to do is like there's so, because now anyone with a camera is a filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's massive competitions of people filmmakers around, even just in Nottingham alone there's so many filmmakers. So all of these people are, are working their butts off to make something to put out there. And people are getting lost in the sea of creativity. So myself, I want to make something that's gonna try and stand out. So I always try and push myself in setting a film in a certain era, like uh, 1940s, 1970s, Victorian, and now with the 1600s one that I'm writing. So at least if, um, you know, I'm part of that big pool of people just in Nottingham of horror as well, because horror is obviously a huge um, genre of, of pe- that people do. At least I'm making something that's pushing my creativity and is going to tr- hopefully stand out against this vast amount of other films that are being put out by local filmmakers. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So with, with that... Um... Have you got any sort of advice for any young whippersnappers that are up and coming, or, or thinking about going into directing and or or into just acting? Is there anything that you really just basically like
1: put your time, put the time in, put the effort in? Uh, don't think it's easy because it's not easy. Um, if you if you feel like you want to do this because uh, you want to make money and you want to be famous or it's not going to happen that way. Hmm. Uh, you, you've got to know that there's so many, there's been years and years and years before you make any kind of money from doing this. It's not a quick fix of income. If you think, ah, oh, I, I want to make a film because I want to live in a mansion, well, you're, you're living in a dream <laughs> hmm. until you get a break, uh, which is very rare. Um, you know, you you've just got to keep at it. Um, as someone said to me once, throw enough mud at the wall, eventually something will stick. So just keep ploughing away, keep writing. Uh, if you want to f- film something, just go out and film it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a film. Go out and film nature stuff to get, uh, you know, go out down the local um, nature reserve and film stuff. Uh, at least then you'll have something to edit so you'll get to knowledge of the editing software. I mean, that's something I used to love doing is just filming anything just so that I had something to edit and play around with.
2: I really enjoy messing around with with um, editing software. Every time mm. I learn like what, because there's so much stuff in these things and every time you learn something new, it's such a, and you apply it to a bit of filming. I like that effect. Mm. I did that. Seamless, mate. Seamless. Yeah. And all you did is like drag and drop something, but you know what well, that does now. So um, I, I can, and, and my stuff is just cut to cut. I might put a little blur transition in between two cuts. <laughs> I feel like
1: <laughs> I'm a, boss. Uh, you feel, you feel like a You feel like a proper professional, though, when you figure out all the shortcuts on the keyboard. Oh, yeah. And especially oh, if, if yeah. someone watches you as well, and you're like, oh, I don't even have to touch the mouse. I can just click, click, click. <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, no. It's horrible, though, when you're using, you use a couple of different softwares, and um, they don't have the same shortcuts. So sometimes <laughs> yeah. I hit B for a blade tool, and then in, yeah. the edit or in, in audio editing, it's, it's Alt and C. I'm, I'm sure smashing B like why isn't it cutting why isn't it cutting They <laughs> <laughs> do it on purpose right
1: <laughs> It is infuriated how something like cuz I'm I use Adobe so you know, the, the shortcuts in Premiere don't tally up with shortcuts that are in say after effects or audition and or commands they don't carry across and I'm just baffled by this like why <laughs> just to You're make making it more my life harder the game
2: to make it like something that people have to specialize in to really get efficient with again. and it's just a little bit of a barrier perhaps you can't yeah. be good at all of these things you need to pick one and, and stick to it
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly the reason why i've always stuck with sony vegas always since since my mm. old trying to be a quick scoper and joining phase clan uh to to now <laughs> um i've i've all i've done is upgraded the version and i think i'm on 14 now so i've not even upgraded that much but i was on like sony vegas pro 9 or 10 back in the day mm. and Jeez. I just just never changed from there are you happy with premiere uh, uh yeah i mean yeah. it's I feel
1: I've had a lot of bugs that I've had to sort of iron out with Premiere, but a lot of the times so that's I usually find out because something on my computer doesn't like talking to Premiere. So then no. I have to find out what it is that's crashing it or, uh, but on the whole, I do like how everything is cloud-based and it's easy to move across. So if I need to edit a sa- um, audio from Premiere, it can just go straight into audition and I can work through that and then send it back to Premiere for a uh, a much better outcome than if it was just all in-house. I used to love using Final Cut Pro, but when they introduced Final Cut Pro 10, they just ruined it, and I've never forgiven them, and I've I've never been back.
2: You tried to get me on Vegas, didn't you, Luky?
0: Yeah, well, um, yeah. I'll just say, the, the I just say I think... didn't want to put any money up. <laughs> so I went with the free, the free stuff. The, the weird thing about Vegas is, so uh, as you know, Ryan, I took a bit of a hiatus from YouTube and uploading because I, I had sort of like an epiphany that I, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I was doing it because it was trending. Um, mm-hmm. So I took like, I think, what was it, six years out. Wow. Completely not doing anything that uh, to do with it. I focused on getting a job, a, well, a proper job, a career. Um, and now I'm at that level now. Um, a nine
2: to five. It's not a proper job, right? You mean a nine to five? Yeah. No, I mean, I
0: was doing, I was doing part-time work and I meant like getting uh, full-time. Yeah, yeah. But then I ended yeah, up yeah. going to uni halfway through that. But still, I was, you know, just on my hiatus, like not doing anything to do with YouTube. You know, I was only doing it to try and get money and get big. Um, and just doing that grind. So, and then I've come back and I'm doing things that I enjoy now, which is which is great. I think we spoke about it earlier, and I forgot on the point that I was going to make because we've just talking for so long. Um, no, so uh, with Vegas, yeah. I'm back on now. Uh, I checked out my old channel where I used to do Vegas tutorials and taught myself again how to use Vegas again. So six years is like Do your own tutorials. Yeah, so I was like, "Thanks, past me," and it's like, "No worries, future me." Like, really weird, but that's that's how it worked out. So, um, that's brilliant. Yeah, and that's just Vegas. And as soon as I sort of like watched the video, I was like, "Oh, I remember this." And then it became muscle memory All again. Comes back. Yeah. yeah, so that's the reason why I told you to have a go on Vegas. But everybody has their yeah. own little niche that they enjoy.
2: Suppose once you learn one you mm-hmm. just you just you just learn that one don't you really essentially yeah. they all do the same thing in different ways with slightly different features um yeah. is there any uh is it so it's just final cut pro and and premiere that's all you've you've all it's all you've used then
1: yeah uh okay i used final cut for years uh but then honestly when they uh, upgraded it to final Cut pro 10 it crashed oh. constantly you would import a clip and it'd crash i mean you could find so many different forum threads online uh about how, how terrible it became and i had to find another way uh, of editing and i thought well everyone seems to go on about premiere so i decided to give that a go and I've, I've stuck with premiere now for gosh seven years or more
2: mm-hmm. um i might have to give it things. a go youtube really wants me to try it apparently i can't think on anything about being told about premiere before it plays it is like
1: the leading software. I think one of one. Yeah. I should say one of the leading softwares now, uh, and, spe- and especially it, because it's now a Creative Cloud, and you can pay per um, app um, application. It's not that expensive. It's like yeah. for Premiere Pro, it's like twenty quid a month. I mean, what's twenty quid if it's yeah, something I you enjoy spend doing?
2: More money than that on Wish each month, and <laughs> so oh, <laughs> yeah, Ryan, not Wish. wish. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a wish guy. I I, I buy all the all these nerdy anime stuff from do, do,
1: you ever, a, do you end up in a weird rabbit hole of like you've been looking at something like a pillow and then next yeah. thing's down the sex toys and you're like how, how how has my feed got to this
2: i am i've i'm not one of those guys i've missed out on all that people were getting like pictures of like you know uh, iraqi soldiers and stuff like on which i never got any of that because uh, it <laughs> knows already like if it's nothing <laughs> to do with anime or manga it's just it's no point in giving it to this guy like <laughs> if it's not a costume if it's not a statue <laughs> or a pack of stickers he doesn't want it so don't follow honestly i've been on wish
1: before i've given up with Wish, mm. and i'll be just searching the most the innocent the most innocent thing that you can think of like uh, studio ghibli like buying uh, something buy before lewis's birthday and i'll be like oh yeah that's cool click on that and then next thing i've got this ad for like the most horrendous sex toys and i'm like <laughs> yeah. what are you yeah.
2: marketing to yeah. Yeah. the worst i get is like the see-through men's underwear that always makes me feel like really sort of bad about myself. I'm like, oh, is that, is that what it's supposed to look like? You're not making me want to. I don't think I'm going to be able to fill them like like he does. So <laughs> I'll, I'll not get those. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, had, um, I had
0: quite a creepy experience with Wish. So I've never used it, never had an account on there or anything. Um, okay. and when I was living at my old house, I got a... A delivery from wish and it was uh, for a guy whose name i can't remember it was like james green or something but it had my mobile number on it and my address which was just weirded out and it was this chinese little booklet telling me all different types of seeds right yeah. the day after i got another one different name same mobile number same address Another little Chinese booklets telling me different types of fruit. And this went on for like two weeks with every day. I would get a different little Chinese booklet with a random name, but my number and my address. So obviously somebody was playing a trick on me, but that was just weird.
2: I would, that would spook me the hell out. I would have gone paranoid, (laughs) mate. Trust me. Did
0: did you become a specialist in these sort of, this field? Did you
1: start planting loads of seeds? No, I just had more things to burn in my... uh... Uh, it was your opportunity it, to become a, a, like you know self sufficient. Yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, yeah. who
2: knows where the podcast might be right now if you yeah. learn those skills? You're probably doing podcasts on Chinese botanics. If that's <laughs> okay. uh, the whole this whole it's been over an hour now. I've noticed, and mm. we haven't asked what I feel is the most obvious question.
0: It's because we're not finished yet, right? <laughs>
2: but no, go no, no, for but it. I'm not saying I'm not saying we're finished. You don't have yeah. to say it the most obvious. <laughs> I, but I, it's probably what I would have started with. What is your favourite film? I don't know my favourite film. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a hard one because there are so many that I like and then I usually give an answer and then like an hour later I think, oh no, I really like that yeah. film so much more. Yeah. But I, I think over the years, I think one of my favourite horror films has got to be John Carpenter's The Fog. Yeah. Please yeah. tell me one of you
2: have seen it. Uh-huh. I, 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 I know I haven't seen a film called Fog to my recollection. Was there a game?
1: Uh. No, I think you're
2: thinking was... of the mist. I've got a picture of some guy and like, it's just it's just about to head into some fog, and it's not it's not to Nah, no never mind never mind no because I know which one I that this is the one I'm thinking of is set somewhere where it's really snowy and they're at like some weird lab type scenario. No, don't worry. never yeah, thing, think about think the thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never that mind, wrong one. <laughs> Again, There's something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
1: Uh, the, the original version of The Fog from 1980. It's just brilliant. It was, by then, by filmmaker standards, it was low budget. Um, The atmosphere in that film is just fantastic. Uh, Even now watching it, it's just everything a horror film should be. It's not full of jump scares. It's not full of gore. It is literally atmosphere to the tens all the way through. It is brilliant.
2: So do you feel it's influenced you majorly at all or at all in, in what you do now or is it just something that you, you enjoy in the medium? Uh,
1: I wouldn't say it's probably influenced me in much of storytelling because mm. it's very different. Oh, I, I say that is you know, ghosts, but mm. it, it's different Spooky to my s- style of storytelling. But um, I think something to take away from it is definitely... Um, how it was made for very little money and accomplished so much over the years and saying that another film which i'd say has influenced
2: me a lot was the blair witch project
0: Ah, very good film
2: Uh, i've seen that once it was quite recent and um just because i avoid anything while it's popular you know um But yeah, that 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 is just <laughs> I'm one of those guys. It, yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> But yeah, that that is a standout. So it, I don't. It, it, it was one of the first sort of like mockumentary type yeah. things I'd ever seen, and I think for that more so than it being scary or whatnot stood out for me. But I feel it was a very sort of well made. Um, I can picture like the stills of it in my head mm. to this day. It's it's just. I, I,
1: so many people hate it because it doesn't have a payoff in the film uh, but the thing that people can't understand is that this film was made for like $70,000 uh, which is just nothing in like, and it became one of the highest grossing films of all time because of that fact it was made for nothing and it definitely made me probably want to be a filmmaker from watching that Growing up, I was like, "Wow, these people can make such a an amazing film with a video camera."
0: Mm.
1: You know, uh, I think that really.
2: I was gonna say, yeah, I can definitely appreciate that that sort of that that feeling. We, oh, I sort of know how I know of how they've done it, and it's 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 made it accessible almost. It it made uh, filmmaking appear accessible. Yeah, I I could see how the Blair Witch Project might do that actually. Yeah.
1: I think the other fantastic thing about it is the fact that they managed to keep it so elusive for so long that was this real? Was it fake? And I I bet you the poly people today, they probably still think it's real. Mm. (laughs) Which is crazy but it's uh, they had so many amazing things going for them that they managed to utilise like the fact that the internet was still really early stages. Um, I read a book last year during the first lockdown um, and it was Called Eight Days in the Woods, and it was basically start to finish of how they managed, how they made the film. It was written by a fan that managed to um, interview everyone involved, and the information on it is just incredible. Uh, it just makes me so
2: jealous. Mm-hmm. But in a good right, way. You're one of yours, when you we'll get there, mate. Don't worry, I can see it. I've got a good sense of these things. He's already had 3.3 million off. views. He's already had his break. No, but I don't well, want people to be questioning whether Anthony's <laughs> stuff is real or not. <laughs> <know>? <laughs> well, the thing, the annoying thing is about The Haunting of Baylock
1: is yeah, it's got 1.3 million views. I've not seen a penny from that film because it's got copyrighted music in it. Uh, if I'd known um. when I've released that, it was going to be so popular. Oh, I would have got original music. Do you know how because, many people uh, I
0: know that have that issue, though? Like, yeah. how many people I've known? Like, some of some of my uh, older stuff on the other channel when I was monetized on there, it's copyright, copyright, copyright. And I'm still getting claims today on a channel that I can't even access.
1: Yeah.
0: I have no access to I've it had anymore. A, I've had a few instances where
1: people have tried to copyright music in my films um, and I've had to basically fight them on it and say... No, this is royalty-free music, so mm. jog on. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, that's mad. It's amazing. Uh, I've had people, that's mad people just trying to coattails it.
1: Yeah. Oh, just people trying to... Because basically when people um prove that something in your video belongs to them, like music, mm. you can keep the video up, but money that would be made on that video will go to them instead. Yeah. Or you can mute and, it, which is
2: just so off-putting, I could imagine. It yeah. A
1: and like, I've yeah. had it where then... Once, if you dispute it, there is a chance that if YouTube think you're taking the mic by disputing it and saying claiming it to be yours, they can then shut your channel down. Yeah, and give you a
0: strike.
1: At, yeah, and at the stage that I'm at, I don't want the, any negativity to go towards my channel. It's hard enough to make any kind of money whatsoever from it anyway. Um, but I've got no strikes on my channel. I've got some copyright claims on a couple of videos, but there's mm-hmm. no strikes. Yeah, uh, I've I've put a few strikes on people's channels uh, from uh, stealing my my uh, films uh, and then trying to claim them as their own. Yeah, seriously? Yeah, um, that's how you know you've made YouTube... it, right? Yeah, I know. Seriously, <laughs> I was so happy when uh, I, f- I found this. Uh, <laughs> I found this tab on YouTube that I didn't know existed, and it was called copy. It was just a tab that came up saying copyright, and you click that, and it tells you um how many uh, videos of yours have been re-uploaded matching your upload so if someone wanted to take one of my videos and review it it would tell and use just clips of my film in the review it would tell me how what percentage of my film is in their video mm. and a few uh, other times it's like a hundred percent of your video has been re-uploaded i'm like right okay
2: we're on uh, it okay yeah that might explain why because we did a reaction video to some stuff once and yeah. it's just like little little snips of stuff but it's only the world's most renowned anime so obviously it was picked up so i'm like we used hardly any of it and it's really small on the screen how do they know i think if you would put a fair usage on
1: that you probably would have got away with it in the description
2: yeah. i didn't know nothing See. about it i just saw other the big sort of like yellow mark next to the video and i was like i got scared i hear that these youtube guys are sea bombs and out here destroying all content so i just left it as it was yeah there is part of youtube where if you're using um
1: copyrighted material for fair usage like you're reviewing it or you're talking Mm. about it you're not just re-uploading it to youtube then you can keep that and i think make money from it but the thing that annoys me is when people will take something say it's fair usage and they're not they're just uploading it for uh money yeah. i've had people upload my stuff and i've got them to take it down through a copyright strike and they've emailed me and said but we're using this in fair usage policy you cannot do this i'm like but you're not using it and for any other reason than to upload it yourself you haven't done anything to the video yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm like uh, go be yeah,
2: creative I- go make your own stuff well, there's a whole, there's a whole sort of, it's like a genre now, isn't it? Like reaction videos, yeah, yeah. and uh, they call it these commentary videos where they're just basically, just riding off somebody else. They're not really reviewing it. They're not really critiquing anything. They're not really discussing anything. They're like, this happened. I saw this on the internet. Here it is. All right, Ryan. That uh, was well that. Thank you very too. Much. Huh? What, are you,
0: what are you going on about? I've done two reactions on this channel.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no. But you're not just it. <laughs> a reaction video. I see people. I haven't seen yours. Don't worry. So I can't comment on yours. <laughs> but I have seen many where it's just like, yeah, so I found this. And then it's present a video. And it just takes up the whole screen. And it's that other oh, video. Oh, yeah, we don't do that. And then it ends. And they're like, yeah, and that was that. I think it was really good. So and that was it. Video done. I'm like, yeah. you just added like five bits of con- seconds of content at the start and at the end of that, which isn't yours. It's not fair. Yeah. Um, but people appear to be sort of well. I don't know if people are making money off of that sort of stuff, but it's happening more and more often in the depths of YouTube. And when trends take off, it's usually because people are gaining from it somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I th- well, we're, we're about an hour and
2: fifteen now, aren't
0: we, guys? Something, something, something like
2: that. that. Yeah. One ten twenty nine.
0: One ten twenty nine. So. There's a lot. Is it? Is there anything else that that you'd like to say, Ryan, or or Ant?
2: As as uh, I'd just Mr. like Stitcher. to know. Um, uh, so you've sort of you've mentioned it. You're working on a movie. Um, uh, is what is is that likely to be the next thing we see from you, or have you got other stuff already in the works or other plans that might come to fruition sooner?
1: I would like to get a few shorts made because I feel like in recent uh, years my short films have sort of fallen by the waistline uh, in I case, was going to
2: mention that actually in the podcast I used to make quite a lot of short films um, and yeah. showcase uh, show reels and stuff hmm.
1: um, I think so in, because I've focused a lot on feature films in the last few years um, hmm. my uh, short films haven't really been a thing for me but I'd like to sort of get back into making them just because it's fun to just go out, uh, film something a couple of days, spend a week or two editing and then, you know, content for YouTube, really. Uh, So I've got a couple of short film ideas that I would really like to um, get underway as and when we're allowed, annoyingly. Mm. Um, But I think one of my biggest projects to date will probably be uh, Beldum, it's called. and so, I'm, I'm and I've never done it before, but I want to sort of look into crowdfunding as
2: well. Oh, I'll definitely back you on that, bro. 100%. Let me know. Mm-hmm. 100%.
1: Got it's a budget, the budget I've got in mind for it is like so far from anything I've ever asked for. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just scary. To, like, what about if, if no one backs me <laughs> and it ends up being yeah. a failure? And then I look stupid, but I've always uh, I mean,
2: been happy to back you, bro. Always.
1: I appreciate it, right? I really do. It's uh, it, mm. it, but the smallest amount anyone can give, it, it they don't realize how much it can help. Like five pounds can pay for like one person's travel expense or something, you know. So, mm. yeah, yeah, anything like that. But with Belladom, I want to try and raise about ten grand. Um, okay, I I've got to build a set because um, it's set. In the 1600s and it's basically about this couple uh isabel and joseph and they're unable to have a baby and every time she gets pregnant she gives birth but it's stillborn and in a moment of sort of desperation there's a witch that kind of offers her a chance to have a baby um which she, she accepts and she has this baby given to them And the husband is furious about it, you know, the fact that in this day and age, she took help from a witch. So he reports her to a witch hunter who sets out to capture the witch and the witch asks for help from Isabel. Uh, But Isabel refuses to help in fear of she'd be hung too. So both of them have damned this witch to death and the witch decides... states that when she when she dies that basically she curses them both and after she dies all hell breaks loose on the pair of them and they what was supposed to now be a happy little family
2: so nice i like what i'm hearing it sounds <laughs> like it could definitely have some moments that would pique my interest yeah <laughs> I, I feel it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything's
1: going to be quite. Oh, I don't want to say graphic, but realistic, and because of the time it takes place with like the torture of the witch and the birth, the childbirth, and how she gets. Because one, one scene for the um, how she has the eventually has the baby, which I I can't wait to film, but I need to try and find some people that are happy to be naked on screen. Um, so the witch has all that like, this nude people like spiritual earthy people and the witch basically cuts her open and takes this fetus out of her that grows and that's how she eventually then is given her baby um i want everything to be sort of like
2: Boy. on
1: film it's not not uh, not real but you know what i mean like yeah when... yeah,
2: yeah. i'm just like gee, i just, I just like i've got because of the time it's set and everything i've got like the whole pagan vibe yeah Gana yeah and that sort of ritual type sort of thing, yeah yeah there's the images in my head already I'm like, oh yeah, that's uh that's big so I think
1: because of uh I need to pay someone to create some costumes, I've got to pay someone to build like a hovel for them to live in in some woods, so I know someone that could probably build a hovel for me, um uh, mm-hmm. it's not gonna be cheap, um I'd say for what I want, it's probably gonna be, gonna be- a couple of grand, at least. Um, it doesn't need to be anything too fancy. It's not like anyone's going to be living in it afterwards, just as long as it, it's enough for it to stay up and stand for as long as we need it to do and then tear it yeah. down afterwards. Um, so I, th- I feel like a realistic goal of 10,000 on the crowdfunding would be something that is, I'd, I'd
2: be able to create this really good product from it. Well, I'm definitely happy to do whatever I can to help, but I'd, what might help, right? what you might be able to use Uh, do to raise some money is uh, why don't you sell steampunk style nerf guns mate
1: well that that was something that I was uh, (laughs) sort of doing at one point was it last year or the year before I remember uh...
2: seeing some pictures bro and they were insane mate they were insane actually you know what I've got a couple uh, nerf guns knocking around I might actually send them down to you to get done if you don't mind oh absolutely honestly there's so much fun to do
0: I'll yeah. knock some pictures up here, and then there'll be an email address for you to inquire. <laughs> <laughs> right. Speaking
1: of which, like, there's one that is like batting, uh, like lingering around. Bear with me just a sec. Um, like, obviously, Ryan, you can't see it at the moment, but you will do when you see the edit. Um, it never got finished,
2: but oh like, wow,
1: Luke could probably see that. Wow. I'm gonna
2: react anyway, just so it looks like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, one. So, <laughs> so it never got finished uh, but still um,
2: good. thank you for the fun to do it makes you just want to have one for no reason doesn't it? yeah, yeah I've never yeah. been into just, it uh, but I want that one yeah yeah you <laughs> <what I mean. laughs> Yeah, I did decide I wanted one and it just completely slipped my mind. So, yeah, now that's back to mind. I'm definitely going to get you to. I can, I, I, I can see it in the corner of my eye which one I want to get you to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jack of all
0: trades, right. clearly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Master <laughs> of none. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Right. Um, so with that one, I think we have just gone over over time now, uh, but I uh, really honestly appreciate you jumping in and and it's been fantastic having a chat with you, especially over these past couple of months. Obviously, this yeah, has no been one's... in the works since Christmas, pretty much, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to come back again at some point. That'd be amazing. Uh, if you need any help with anything, let us know. Uh, oh, yeah, know. definitely. We, we are here, and we do enjoy your stuff. So,
2: anything you'd like to do. It's been great speaking to you again, bro. It really has.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: you too, Ryan. And uh, if you decide to do another episode, a spooky-wooky episode about ghost stories, hit me up because I have tons and tons. Of stories, oh,
2: don't tell him that, mate. Don't tell him <laughs> that. He'll have you back every week. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, honestly, some crazy stories. No worries. Thank you once again. And uh, yeah, links to everything will be in the description. I do recommend you check out the Haunted of bailout residence because when I get that 1.3 million views to 1.3 million and one. <laughs> so uh yeah go check out some of his stuff stuff that i i'd recommend dark light fantastic sleep tight all these short films are great and uh the cry of the magpie as well great so uh yeah uh, anything from you ryan no man,
2: thank you for letting me back on Dread, dress mango. <laughs> oh yeah don't forget to vape Jed's mango yeah. There you go, you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> use code SLEEPY for 13% oh, yeah, off. Yeah. And don't forget, guys, if you use code SLEEPY at wwwe shopuk you get 13 percent off TGWD merchandise and e liquid and concentrates. Yeah, guys, the first time I've ever plugged it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just glad that you did. Uh, there so, you go. great. Thank you once again and take care.
1: Peace. Thank you.